0: Hey there booklies! This is Anastasia Nightingale and welcome back to the Bookish Creation Podcast. I hope you're all having an incredible start to your week. If you're new here, this show is all about bookish love. We talk about adult romance novels, review them, share in our excitement for new ones coming out, and even get to gush over some awesome excerpts from Hot Romance Reads. With that in mind, this podcast is for adults only and sometimes contains erotic excerpts sent in by the authors for the purpose of reading them on the podcast. These excerpts can, at times, include intense situations, provocative characters, and or scenes. Please be sure to listen responsibly. Now today we are looking at a book I have been dying to dive into, Diamonds Are Forever by Charmaine Pauls. This is the final book in the Diamonds Are Forever trilogy. A very special thank you to Charmaine Pauls for sending in the two awesome excerpts we are going to be reading today. Since the last word of book two, I have been dying to see what happens next, and I have to say that this book did not disappoint me at all. Yes, I was one of the lucky ones that got to get an ARC copy of this amazing book, and I can tell you that this one is a for sure five star read ending to the trilogy. However, since I have already read it, I won't be going into speculation on the excerpts like I usually do, but we will be reading these two awesome excerpts and having fun in this bookish book hype anyways, so don't worry. Don't worry! We are still reading them, and we are still having fun. Okay, now, because these books do need to be read in order, if you haven't read books one and two, you might be a little confused as to what's said in this podcast, so I do highly recommend reading both books before jumping into book three. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into the first excerpt. This one is from Zoe's point of view. Dragging both hands over his head, he tilts his face to the ceiling and walks away from me. Fuck! He stays at the far end of the room for a moment before turning back to me. His hair is even wilder than before when he finally drops his arms to his sides. A war rages in his eyes. For a minute, he's not my kidnapper, but the man who cares about me. He's just a man making himself vulnerable by opening up and dropping his defenses. I don't want to scare you, Zoe. After your father... Don't. Sighing, he comes back and picks up the medicine box. I'm going to tell you a story. A young man goes to a market and sees a beautiful woman admiring a precious object. He can see she wants it, but when she opens her purse, she doesn't have enough money. This man, he was paid to abduct that woman. He has two choices. He can either grab her, tie her up, and drag her away, or he can go up to her and tell her how beautiful she is and buy her that precious object she wants so much. He can do that for her and be kind, inviting her to dinner. They can have a good time, have great sex. He can ask her to go away with him and knows she'll say yes. Tell me, Zoe, which man is kinder? Which man is the most selfless? The honest one, I whisper. A shudder drops in front of his eyes, The man who was reaching out to me a second ago retracts back into his shell. I mourn the loss, the almost intimacy, but I can't lie to him. I can't betray myself. I can't strengthen his warped belief that lies can smooth over his crimes. Okay, so this one is profound. So what's actually happening here is very important and different. The circumstances surrounding this scene and what both leads up to it as well as what happens after are all very pivotal, intense, and deep. However, it is this moment that reveals so much. I really love how this does such a good job at showing both, as Zoe says, the way he tries to make his crime scene less significant, as well as how the lies she starts setting up for herself kind of start to peek out. For Max, this is such a therapeutic moment for him, I think. In a way, yes, he's trying to make his actions seem less harsh. However, he's also desperately reaching out to her and trying to make her understand. This is, in fact, a very vulnerable moment. One when he's trying to explain and hopes for something to happen. And I'm not even sure he even knows what he wants that something to be but he just desperately feels a need to make her understand and to get a reaction from her. A soothing, loving reaction from her. I just love how his heart is right on his sleeve here in this scene. It's in all honesty a beautiful and very changing and telling moment, and I just love it for him. Now on Zoe's part... In the scene, you can tell that the atmosphere is very tense, and the story is much more than just a distraction. She also, as you can see, or at least what I'm picking up on, she wants to hurt him by making the comments she makes. She also wants to make a point to him. But what she doesn't stop and realize here is the honesty that's in both situations in the story. In the story that he tells, if the second option is the one chosen and played out, and that man also tells that woman why he was there that day at all, then she knows all the facts. And the plain truth is that both were true. He was both there to kidnap her, and he did fall in love with her, and what he did was out of that affection, out of that love. If he didn't feel that love, and he's clearly a paid... In this case, kidnapper, but in reality, with these kind of stories, most likely assassin, he would have absolutely no problem just going with that first option, grabbing her, tying her up, throwing her over his shoulder, being done with it. It's much easier, much more effective, and comes with a lot less risks. Also, a lot less witnesses, if it's done right. So, yes, both things in this case are honest so long as it's all on the table and there really would be no deception there but zoe wants to believe that someone who's capable of doing those kind of evil things can't also be capable of love and i will say this is coming from what's happened between them and also from her past and that's all i'm gonna say about where it's coming from. You're gonna have to read the books to find out what I mean by that, but it is coming from somewhere. However, Zoe also knows that that's not true. She knows that the world doesn't work like that. It doesn't work in black and white. It's shades of gray. It's messy. It's not a nice, neat little box, but I do love that her heart is working here in this way to try and protect herself. It seems like a backward progression when it comes to a romance, but it does show some growth when it comes to Zoe, and it does also show that push and pull that you really need with dark romances. I also really think that's why she didn't elaborate as to which one was honest. She just says the honest one, and I think it's because deep down she knows both are honest. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Now, this one is also in Zoe's point of view. The walk in fresh air do me good. I feel invigorated when I get to an open-air textile market I remember from driving past here once. The smell of grilled chestnuts from the vendor stand mixes with the odor of chemical dye from the fabric. Weaving through the aisles, I drag the familiar perfume into my lungs. Despite my situation, my spirits lift. It's like the smell of roasted beans when entering a coffee shop on a cold morning or the welcoming scent of ink and paper in a bookstore on a lazy afternoon, only it's the cocktail of threads and colors that make my heart beat faster. With it comes the rush of memories from the Fashion Academy, and like an answering echo, a wave of nostalgia. I miss this. I miss the slide of fabric through my fingers and the soothing hum of a sewing machine. A piece of organza hanging from a wooden rail lifts in the breeze. The floral print catches my eye. It's pink and lilac, soft and lovely. I said I was done with sewing, but maybe it's because I've been stuck on my old designs. Romantic designs. Walking to a stand with a much statelier roll of navy linen, I rub the coarse fabric between my fingers. Maybe I was looking at the wrong dreams. Would you like this fabric, ma'am? The vendor asks. I look up. The woman has a friendly smile. A red scarf tied around her hair brings out the warm tone of her skin and eyes. I don't have any money on me. I didn't even know this was my destination when I started walking. Oh, I'm just browsing. Please cut the lady however much she wants. A deep voice says. I spin on my heel. The sight of him takes my breath away even after all this time. With his hands shoved into his pockets, Maxime's stance is relaxed, but I recognize the power running underneath. As always, he's dressed immaculately. Even his casual street clothes scream of sophistication and a keen sense of fashion. A rolled neck black t-shirt and fitted pants are rounded off with a brown coat, matching scarf, and short boots. But it's not the clothes that define the man, it's his presence. It's how he dominates the space and demands attention. It's what that look on his face promises. Women stop talking to stare. I stare too. I take in the familiar sharp chin and deep lines, the crooked nose and bump on the bridge, the gray eyes that cut through defenses and intentions, and the strong mouth that makes sneeze weak. His hair is ruffled, curlier from the humid air, and the longer sideburns give him an artistic look. He could be an eccentric painter or a brilliant rocket scientist. A mafia boss or a man bathing a woman on his knees. He could be a jet fighter pilot or a diamond tycoon. A woman's imagination could run wild. What every female here knows with instinctive knowledge is that those hands, those hidden hands, can stroke a cheek as gently as they could squeeze around a throat. This is a man who can make a woman's fantasies come true and his gaze is trained on me with possessiveness, adoration, lust. Our gazes remain locked as he takes his wallet out of his pocket and pulls out a few bills. The vendor clears her throat. Her voice is husky when she asks, How many meters would you like, ma'am? Three, please, I say, ripping a number from the sky. Maxime's lips lift in one corner. The smile makes his unconventionally beautiful unattractive face seem more predatory than friendly. Leaning closer, he presses his lips against my ear and says in English, Let me buy this for you. The foreign accent hits me between the knees. We've been speaking French since my return. I've forgotten what his deep timbre sounds like when he whispers in my mother tongue. He smells like the king of winter, of cold weather and citrusy days the perfume of chemical dye retreats as that winter heat rushes over me the man and everything he stands for overwhelms my senses that my mind can focus on his words is a miracle i think back to his story to the man who had two choices the kidnapper who could take his target kindly or with force i don't want force i don't want kindness i want honesty why i ask with a dry throat His breath strokes over my ear. His words are self-assured and seductive. Because I can. Pulling away, he creates an avalanche of cold when he takes his heat with him. I look down to where he's rubbing the fabric between his fingers in a gesture that seems oddly like a caress. I shiver as if feeling that caress on my skin. Because he can. Okay, so when Charmaine sent this one in to be read on the episode, I was so excited because this is my favorite scene in the book. I feel like this is such a significant moment in the story. I do not want to give anything away. But as you can see, this one does tie into the first excerpt. Zoe is clearly torn here. She doesn't want any more lies or deception in her life, and this does come from both what's passed between them and from her past in general. And again, if you haven't read the first or second book and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I really do encourage you to read those books. They're fantastic and you'll get to see what I mean. Her life pretty much plays into this idea of not wanting lies or deception in her life. However, there is a part of her that is telling her that this relationship is not a lie that his affections and the things that he does to show it are not acts of deception. This push and pull is something that is pivotal in these dark romances, and I loved how it was done here and in this scene in particular. Zoe's heart just pours out here in such a strong way that for a brief moment, it silences that voice in her head that tells her that every little thing he does for her is filled with an alternative motive. And I really loved that moment. It's the moment when the strength of their love shows through. It's the moment when her feelings bubble over. What is also so raw and interesting here is how the honesty that she is so desiring is really working out. She isn't seeing that both sides of the coin to him are in fact honest, similar to how she wasn't wanting to see how both choices in his story were honest. Max's darker side and his sweeter, more loving side are both part of him and very real. However, because of everything that has happened in book one and two, as well as her past, trust isn't something that's earned yet in their relationship. And since that is so important, that makes this a bit hard. Also, on the other hand of this honesty thought, it's also her that's coming to realize she's not being honest either. She knew from day one with how they met, who he was, the things he did, and what happened between them, the kind of man he is. Is there dishonesty that happens between the two of them? It's a dark romance. Obviously, there is. However, can she honestly say that she had no idea of the kind of man he was, that she didn't know what she was getting into... That she didn't know what was happening to her? In a very big, loud, profound, there is no way you couldn't have known way? No, she absolutely knew. Yet she allowed herself to deceive her own view of him, which in turn allowed that darker side of him to come off even worse. And no, 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 don't take this as me saying it's her fault. It absolutely is not. Absolutely is not. However, she is starting to realize here that her putting this film, this filter over her own life is in fact her deceiving herself and it just makes everything worse. I think that is part of what she's starting to see when she looks at that fabric and thinks about how she had the wrong perspective on things. When she thinks about the romantic design she had when she was in school, I honestly, Honestly, don't believe she was only thinking about the fabric, the classes, or her designs. I think she was also thinking along the lines of her life in general. Also, speaking along the lines of the fabric, this little tidbit about the fabric is such an amazing jumping point in their lives that is so different, unique, and awesome. Oh, I absolutely love this factor. I love what it turns into. I love how big of a role it winds up playing in her life and in their lives. It is just amazing. I really love the turnaround it winds up making. You have to read that part and keep it in mind when you're reading this book. Just keep it in mind because it plays such an amazing part later on. It's fantastic. I love it. I absolutely love it. On a final note, I also want to point out how resilient Max's love is and how much he wants to make their relationship work. I will say this, Max messes up. Majorly. (laughs) In the previous books, he messes up so badly. And what's interesting is as Zoe mentions in the other excerpt, he really does do a good job at trying to make himself believe that it's okay at smoothing over those crimes. But his feelings for Zoe run so deep that to him, it doesn't matter how long it takes, it doesn't matter how hard it is, he will find a way to make things right. And you can really see that here. I love how deeply he cares for her and how much growth we see in him in this book. It honestly just melts my heart thinking about how he started out in book one and what he winds up becoming by the time we reach this final stretch in their story. In addition to the relationship, the love that they share, and how their relationship develops and grows and perseveres, the growth and development of the characters is really important to me in any book. And Zoe does grow a lot too in a really sobering way almost. I love how Zoe's perception of love and romance changes. And in a way, how that's a real staple of dark romances anyway. Dark romance really takes the cookie cutter, perfect, sweet idea of romance and love and pulls it into the light. Life is messy. It's a roller coaster. It's not predictable. It's not pretty. It's not fun. And therefore, love isn't either. Love is messed up. It's a roller coaster. It has ups and downs and choices that are impossible to make. It has twists and turns that aren't expected. It has rocky moments. It has smooth moments. It's beautiful. It's sad, it's heartbreaking, it's uplifting, it's so many different things that it needs to have that strong foundation to be able to support that roller coaster of emotions, to support that roller coaster ride, or it's just gonna fall apart and crumble like that cookie perspective that a lot of stories try and make it out to be. And I love how Zoe's perspective of things changes and develops as the book goes along. It's honestly, honestly beautiful. Looking back over the past three books, I'd say a lot of this story focuses on deception, what it can do, and how it can change things. And I just love how their relationship is resilient how it winds up turning things around how they both have this twisty curvy crazy ride on their own personal love roller coaster that winds up finding them back to each other in this last stretch of the story in such a beautiful way I honestly adored this series and this book just ugh, oh, it ends it off beautifully it just ends it off beautifully. Okay, everybody, I think that's gonna do it for this bookish book hype. I hope that you all are really excited to see how Max and Zoe's journey ends. It is honestly, it's just a beautiful ending to such an epic adventure. I thoroughly enjoyed every word of the entire series, and I can't wait to see how all of you... That have been following along or that are new to the series enjoys this last part of the book and enjoys all the books, really. I always love discussing different points of view, different thoughts, different takes on scenes, moments, and just the entire books in general, especially when it comes from the dark romances or the more complex romances that you can dig up a lot of raw emotions from. A big thank you again to Charmaine Pauls for sending in these awesome excerpts. I absolutely adored them. I am so, so thrilled that you sent in the one with the fabric and him buying her that fabric. That is honestly one of my favorite scenes. I was so excited when I saw that come in for me to be able to read on the show. Thank you so much for sending them in. I really appreciate it. The Bookish Creation Podcast logo was created by The Artsy Reader. The Artsy Reader is another fantastic book blogger. You can find her stuff over at TheArtsyReader.com. She does a lot of awesome reviews for multiple genres, as well as a lot of fun DIY stuff. I highly suggest you all go and check her out, she's awesome. If you're looking for more fun bookish romance stuff, Go ahead and check out my website at www.bookishcreation.com. If you enjoyed this bookish book hype, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you prefer, or you can subscribe to the blog so that way you never miss out on any of the new episodes that come out. Subscribing to the blog will get you any and all of the podcast episodes that come out because I post them all to the blog as well. And you'll get that either in an email through just your regular email or your blog account. I hope that you all are having a fantastic morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world, and that this chapter of your life is just as fantastic as the last book you read. I'll talk to you all later. Bye!